We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Jermaine O'Neal, and you're listening to Setting the Pace on PaceofTalk.net. And Oladipo wants it again, approaching two minutes to play. With the left hand and authority! McKee gets it in the middle for the win! What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. You are listening to another episode of Setting the Pace on your favorite Pacers website, PacersTalk.net. But, Fachi, this episode is not just any ordinary episode. This is a very special day. Can you tell the listeners why it is a very special day? Guys, this is the 100th episode of Setting the Pace. When Alex and I were thinking up even the idea of this podcast, you know, we never really thought we'd make it to a hundred episodes and everything that happened in between it's been an awesome journey and i'm super appreciative that you guys have been there for some of them from the start and some whenever you joined hey i appreciate it and i hope you like what you heard yeah and so just to kind of give a little backstory like this is a milestone for me because back in like 2015 2016 i i went on a pacers podcast called the gold standard with David Eaton. There weren't a lot of Pacers podcasts out at the time. I think Locked On Pacers was still around uh, with the with the previous co- uh, the previous host of that. I think it was Tom Lewis from um, Indy Cornrows. And then we had the Miller Time Pod with uh, with our guys over there. And they've actually kind of disbanded that podcast. I think one of them moved on to do something else. So there weren't a lot of Pacers podcasts. And so my man David Eaton like started a Pacers podcast called The Gold Standard, and he asked me to come on as a guest 
And I was like, man, this is really cool. Like, I've really enjoyed being a guest, and I really like talking Pacers basketball. I want to do something like this. So I was like, I'm going to create my own podcast, and I created a thing, a Twitter account called Let's Talk Pacers. And so what's funny, Fachi, is I got picked up by this website called thegruelingtruth.net. Pretty popular. And they said, we want to put your Pacers podcast on our on our website. And we'd also like you to be our lead NBA writer. So I'm just like, whoa, wow, this is awesome. You know, I wasn't getting paid or anything, but still like a really cool moment to to be a part of something and not just be independent on my own, that kind of thing. And so after I was there for about a probably two years, after the first year, I ended up branching out and making my NBA podcast an NBA show. Um, I, I started doing a podcast with our buddy, Mark Wallen, and um we were called the, I was the courtroom podcast and, you know, me and Mark eventually, uh, went our separate ways. And, you know, maybe honestly, I'm to be honest with you. I did probably didn't handle the correct way and, uh, how we disbanded. It just was like some stuff. I just was like, not sure if I really felt like comfortable going with it forward, but I didn't really handle it the best. And I think Mark's a great follower. If you're a fan of the NBA draft and the Utah jazz and stuff like that, but me and Mark were together for the courtroom podcast and we decided hey let's do our own thing let's get rid of the grueling truth and we're going to start a website called the five by five and Fachi, that's where me and you met um the five by five i was looking for people to kind of join us he had a couple of friends and i said well i know a guy uh mike Fachi, who uh is a big pacer fan you know i see i saw all your stuff on twitter all the time i think that's how we met Mm-hmm. So did that you reach was. out to me or did I reach out to you? No. So so you put out a tweet. You were looking for a guest on an episode. You said, like, anybody want to record a Pacer podcast? Okay. And I had never recorded a podcast before. It was something I always wanted to do. I was on uh, school radio at West Virginia covering the sports teams. And I went, you know what? I would love to talk Pacers basketball because it's something I do mm-hmm. on my own all the time. So I jumped at the opportunity. Uh, I sent you a DM. I think I even had to follow up because, I, I don't know, maybe Alex wasn't really <laughs> digging me, raising my hand right away. But I did, and we ended up recording an episode. I thought it went pretty well, and uh, that's when you pitched, hey, if I want to write for the 5x5, five five, you know, we, we could do that. And I started writing some articles, and eventually uh, just the 5x5, five five, it kind of slowly disappeared a little bit. Well, and- you did. I mean, we did have the 5x5, five five and we were actually going to do, like, NBA podcasts, like, I think three a <laughs> week, something like that. And I know you and Rob Sony were actually uh, mm-hmm. hitting up a pod. What was your guys' show called again? A revisionist History. It was all about, like, what could have been. Right. And uh, it was a very interesting idea. Uh, we, mm-hmm. we recorded maybe about, like, three to five episodes. And Rob kind of went radio silent. He kind of yeah. disappeared for a bit. And it just seemed like everyone was on different schedules, also scattered across the U.S. Yeah. I mean, I believe Mark's in Utah. Rob was in New Jersey. I was in Washington D.C. You're in Indiana. Like there was another guy, Zach, Zach. Milner. He actually, I think he works for the Stepien now, which is kind of crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah. He wanted to be a GM, and I remember that was like his passion, and always wanted to pursue that route. And uh, I have not spoken to him or seen any of his tweets in a long time, but it <laughs> sounds like he's doing well, so that's great. But uh, eventually, you and I, we still remain in touch, and wanted to basically branch this out into a more Pacers-related right. uh, situation. And uh, that's when you, uh, me, and uh, Tyler Smith, who you guys remember from the past, all kind of came together and try to basically create a name for what this podcast would be. 
And we settled on setting the pace. Yeah, so I was wanting to, you know, just kind of, I had done the, um, I had done the five by five with those guys. And when things kind of went down, I ended up starting another NBA website called the up and under had my own podcast there called the triple threat, where I was going to have three guests come on, uh, and just talk about different teams in the NBA. And it was going really well. And then I started doing one with Fachi called the four quarters show. We did Mm -hmm. that on the up and under, uh, net. In addition to setting the pace when we first started that. And I also did another one, with uh, I think I forget even I forget who Nate Wolf I think it was my yes co-host. Yes, I mean just to be honest like I was just kind of everywhere I was trying to feel out what I wanted to do you know getting married in that transition like it was a lot of work so I'm sorry to give you guys a lot of back history here but it's just kind of cool because this is the only thing that like I really settled into and and that I did more than a year because everything just kind of just kept changing like I would occasionally do like let's talk Pacers podcasts like when the playoffs would come around but I wasn't very like consistent with anything until I was like, you know what, I'm going to turn off all the other NBA stuff and just focus solely on the Pacers because it's my passion. And I couldn't really keep up with the rest of the league like I wanted to. I was way too busy. And it was funny because uh, some of our, I don't know if you guys remember, but the Corner 3 show, which was mm-hmm. I remember um, uh, a Pacers podcast, I'm trying to think of all the guys that were on there. I think it was Zach was one of the guys, and he was making me logos for different podcasts. And they were just they would just crack jokes about every time I you know start a new show or if I'd ask them a question, they'd be like, "Yeah, Alex has seven podcasts." Like it just kept going up in numbers every time I would come on there just to joke around. But anyway, long story short, guys, like doing this, being committed to this, it's it's been unbelievable. And people say, man, how did you get so successful so fast? Like, I didn't. It's been like five years of just constantly grinding, putting out work, trying to be active on social media. It's a tough it's a tough gig, and especially when you don't have any following and you're just trying to build your own thing from scratch. So, you know, it was just a blessing that, you know, Tyler Smith, when I first reached out to him, I reached out to him before I contacted you to see if he wanted to do it. And when I realized he was going to be too busy, I was like, I want to have a third co-host, or, or three people on this podcast, just in case things get busy where we can't do it. Because I think we kind of had died off talking a little bit after everything kind of went down with um, the 5x5, five five, if I recall. Yeah, I think you and I were keeping in touch. I know some of the other guys I just, like, never spoke to again. Right. Uh, no no particular, particular reason, just, you know, life comes at you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you and I had been kind of working on ideas of what right. we might do next and uh yeah you tyler and i we all kind of i remember we had a conference call i was at babe's place at the time you know i told her hey business calls you know i gotta i gotta take this one and uh you know we were just mapping out ideas and uh it was i want to say in maybe september or october of 2018 actually and uh i think the first episode was in october and right around the preseason time and from there, we're now talking about being about a year and a half yeah. now on. And, and in between that year and a half, the 100 episodes that have, has happened, I mean, we've had on some pretty awesome guests, made some connections that never thought was even possible. I mean, to start the show, we're talking about, you know, being introduced as the president of the Jermaine O'Neal fan club. And then later on, being able to have Jermaine on the show. Little <laughs> stuff like that just made everything in between beyond worth it. Yeah, and if you guys go back and listen, the way I would introduce each and every show was 
Joining me, as always, is the president of the German O'Neill Fan Club, Michael Focci. And then we'd say the coach and the insider, Tyler Smith. And uh, that was always fun. It was always ritual and routine. But it was it was cool to just be able to talk basketball with you guys. And, you know, it was a good balance, too. Because we know, Focci, you are crazy. It, it, some people might even label you as a hashtag fanboy. Just because you're the hype train fanboy. And that's okay. We love it. We love the fan perspective from you because you're passionate, you care, and, and you really want to see this team succeed. But at the mm-hmm. same time, you you know, like, the you're realistic. And, and with Tyler, yeah. he wants the Pacers to win. But Tyler, he's going to be joining us later, so I don't want to speak too much for him. But, but Tyler's just very even kill, very just like, here's what they got to do to win. And he's he's not going to be fanboyish, but he will. he's very positive about the team. And then I'm just kind of all over the place. Some days I'm great. Some days I'm moody and I'm mad at the way the guys are playing. You know, I'm just all over. But most of the time, I think I'm pretty positive with everything. I just try to point out the negative things that I see so we can kind of discuss them. But you mentioned it, Fachi. The unbelievable amount of guests that we've had on this show has been unreal. Talking to former Pacer players that I never even thought could, you know, that we could even get reach out to. I mean, some of them retired guys, guys that were like, you know, role players, not really you know, uh, starter caliber players. Those are typical guys. I thought maybe we could get them, even though that'd be kind of hard still, but I got to give it to you. I mean, this guy right here, ladies and gentlemen, Fachi is the one grinding to get these guests on. And, uh, without Fachi's grinding to get these guests, we would, you know, we wouldn't have had who we had on today. So Fachi, that's all credit to you, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. But in the end, hey, it's, a, it's a team effort for everything. And, you know, just as you mentioned before, of being a, a fanboy or however you want to put it, you know, I grew up just <laughs> loving these players. I mean, honestly, just I own like a hundred Jermaine O'Neal jerseys and just always said, you know what, I'm going to meet him. I'm going to meet him. I've had opportunities to meet him in the past and to be able to have him on this show and a few other guys. It's just situations that you never thought was possible and I know that we've had some listeners um, of ours that have ended up starting their own show just based mm-hmm. on, basically off of seeing what we've done. And right. I think that that's awesome. I, I think that, guys, hey, there's always, there always has to be a starting point. And for us, once we found our starting point, you know, we took off, we ran. And uh, along the way, you know, I wouldn't give up any of the in-between because it, it's been all just part of the amazing journey. Yeah, and, and to those that have been you know listening for a while thank you so much to our new listeners we really appreciate it so Fachi, like we we started off this show not getting a lot of downloads i mean we were barely you know getting close to 50 listens an episode and that has just you know really improved drastically from from that starting point to where we are now but i have to ask you where do you think the turning point was for this whole thing Ah, uh, you know, I remember a key episode was Trevor Booker. I remember having Trevor Booker on. I think it was like the first episode that did like 100 downloads. Um, and then from there, I felt like we were on a little bit of a roll being able to get some other, you know, a little bit better quality players. But I want to say I feel like there was a stretch where obviously getting a guy like Jermaine O'Neal was just – it was an episode that I think changed everything. I think it really did. Just it, the episode got so much traction of other people just sharing it. I mean, there was there was guys along the way like Cristinari and just other other players that other guys and media members that helped be able to get us to that next 
point. And hey, I can't say that we did it alone because you got to be appreciative of all the people along the way that lent their time to us. Yeah, I mean, guys, guys taking you know interviews while they're on the car, like like JJ, basically Jeremiah Johnson. He did the, the interview just about two weeks ago from his car as he's in the garage of the stadium. You know, just like stuff that you're just so appreciative of. And uh, we really hope that it got to add something, it adds some great insight that, uh, you know, you just can't get from just watching the Pacers on TV. You either had to, A, be on the court with them, be in the locker room, whatever it means. We try to bring you that perspective. Yeah, I, you know, I agree with you about the Jermaine O'Neal interview. I do think that was the turning point for you know, getting some attention to this show. And I mean, when you get a guy like Jermaine on, like that's all credit to you because the big three, your connection Mm -hmm. there, getting him to sign your poster. Where were you guys at again? What was the arena? Oh man, we were in Philly. Um, And I, I mean, I even had work the next day. I drove over to Philly. It was a Sunday. I went there just for the game with one mission. I was going to meet Jermaine O'Neal. And (laughs) they, they said no signs allowed in there. I brought my sign. I refused to throw it out. I went wild. I had every single person I knew retweet (laughs) me and just try and gain the attention of the big three. I made such a scene that Jermaine shanked every free throw that he took because you could hear me screaming in that building. And he actually ended up calling me down to the court after the game. I got, I got to get some pictures with him. He told me I was crazy. I said, I can't argue. And in the end, the pictures that the big three took, they ended up using on many different occasions. And it ended up just kind of being one of those weird moments where once they posted a picture of me and people started saying, Hey, that's Fachi, that's Fachi. And eventually it just led to, them being able to uh, to set up this interview for us. Yeah, that was awesome. And, and just a little side note, if any of you guys want to meet Jermaine O'Neal, I got an email a couple of days ago that Jermaine O'Neal will be at the Buffalo Wild Wings in Avon this Thursday night to watch the Big Ten Tournament. So uh, if you guys are interested in meeting Jermaine Avon, India, Indiana, it's not too far from Indianapolis, about 15, 20 minutes. So Anyway, Fox, just wanted to go through here because we've had some former players on. Just looking at our episode history, our first ever player, do you remember who it was? First ever David player. Harrison. David Harrison followed up by Scott Pollard. Then we had on Damian Wilkins, Jordan Hill. We had Scott Agnes, Chris Copeland, Jeremiah Johnson. Um, just going to keep going. Our, our friend Tony East from Locked On Pacers, uh, Kevin Bowen and, and Keith Smith, of course. Trevor Booker, like you mentioned. And Kevin Serafin, he was another big one. Travis Diener. And then this is where I think we started to get some traction, too, was the Point Guard Chronicles that mm-hmm. I, I did with you a little bit in the in the offseason where we're looking at possible players of Pacers or possible point guards of Pacers could go after via trade or via free agency this, um, this summer, this past summer. And lo and behold, we got Malcolm Brogdon, who we did discuss on that. So it was interesting. Then we had Kareem Rush um, continuing up here through our list. Sorry if it's taking a little bit long. And then, of course, Jermaine O'Neal. We had on former Pacer Orlando Johnson. Uh, Chris Denary was on our show, like we mentioned. Uh, of course, our friends at Born Ready 2 Pod. They joined us for a Super Pacers podcast called the Born Ready to Set the Pace podcast. So that was pretty fun. And, yeah, I'm trying to – do we have any – Al Jefferson, that was – that was one big one, and I think our last our last player we had on um, 
was Meta World Peace. Yeah, there's T.J. Watson in between there. T.J. Watson, yeah. Um, Mark Monteith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Meta was another awesome one. I mean, Meta World Peace, Ron Artest, however you know him as, was just another one of those guys that you just never thought was going to be possible. Mm -hmm. But it ended up happening, and an awesome experience it was because just a very colorful individual, to, to put it lightly, and I mean... Wow, just those those guys, uh, you know, when my Pacer fandom was really just soaring and taking off and the Pacers are winning, you know, I think 61 wins, uh, it was Ron Artest and Jermaine O'Neal that were the all-stars on that team. And it was yeah. just, you fast forward basically, you know, however many years later, I guess, wow, at that point, you know, you're talking about a good uh, 16, 17 years later, I guess, you know, they're on setting the pace and... Uh, just, just a pretty cool experience that I think everybody could could say, hey, yeah, I, you could see it's hard to not fanboy in that situation. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Fachi, as we close out this segment, I would just want to know, this whole entire time that we've been doing this, what is your favorite part of doing this podcast? I'd say my favorite part is being able to connect with an actual guest on more than just an interview level. You know, when you're doing these interviews um, through the phone, through Skype, whatever it is, you know, at times it can be tough. What you guys probably don't realize is Alex and I have actually never met in person. Everything has been through social media, through the podcast, all of that. And to be able to develop chemistry, just it's it's something that's not easy to do. So when you have a guest like an Al Jefferson or Jordan Hill, just kind of like let their hair down and just be cool and relax, crack some jokes, and really like let you in. Uh, it, it makes all the difference. And those are the interviews that have been my absolute favorite. Yeah, so if I'm going to answer this question, you know, I, I think the most fun part about doing this podcast, while it's great to have players on and the opportunity to talk to media members and connect with the fans and stuff like that, it's awesome. But I love to say, you know, we have never met Fachi, and I'm, I'm hoping to go to Washington, D.C. here soon, maybe this year. So if I do, we'll have to meet up. Uh, 100%. My wife already said, I'll let you guys get lunch if you're, we're in D.C. Like, it's <laughs> it's got to happen. But, you yeah. know, I think, honestly, just the thing that's probably the coolest is just I, I love doing this podcast with you, man, and I think it's hysterical whenever I can give you a hard time and – Anytime that I can tease you, and I, that's just who I am as a person. People don't really know me that well. They hear me on the podcast talk about things, but I love to joke around. I love to give people a hard time, and that's just what I do. I just I just love to laugh. I, I'm just a laughing person all the time, and uh, you know it, it's fun because you crack me up when you get going with your fachiisms. Uh, they're always coming out of you know left field, and. You know, I, I remember the one where you uh, were talking to Kent Sterling when we had him on for the first time together, and you said something <laughs> like, uh, "Suck like an old jar of pickles" or something. Yeah, like it was like that. this Eastern Conference race is tired than an old jar of pickles, and he yeah. was definitely thinking, "What the hell did you just say?" <laughs> and, and and it caught Kent off guard, but he cracked up so hard, and then of course, just ragging you about those stupid Washington Wizards. It's mm-hmm. absolutely one of my favorite things to do. I think a lot of people have actually grown to enjoy that part of the podcast too. Me just ragging you, giving you a hard time, and uh, you know you don't really ever give me a hard time back. You just kind of like try to brush it off, or you get kind of annoyed, and it's great because 
I don't know why you don't give me a harder time back, but uh, it makes it easier for me just to pick on you when I'm not getting picked on back. Hey, I guess I've spared you in the past, but I shall spare you no more. All right, so about to start digging up some dirt and uh, and, and seeing what I can uh, can get on you. Yeah, but, the thing that you've hey, done is called me out on Twitter about Aaron Gordon, and that's it. Uh, it's true, hey, guys. I'm telling you, the goal in life is to find someone who loves you as much as Alex loves Aaron Gordon and Terrence Ross. All right, I'm a sprinkle Terrence Ross. Terrence. What does that yeah, mean? You know, you know, you got a soft spot. If there's, if Terrence Ross is ever rumored to Indiana, I know you will drop what you're doing and send out a tweet. <laughs> Maybe not so much about Terrence Ross. Aaron Gordon, yes, I would. Uh, I'm all in on the Aaron Gordon hype train. Set me up for that one. But uh, I'd rather root for Aaron Gordon and Terrence, uh, Terrence Ross than, you know, being connected to the lowly Washington Wizards, uh, your boy Ish Smith. Yeah, my, now he's my boy Ish Smith. Yeah. yeah Alizé okay. Johnson, who's going to get cut for Lance Stevenson, is your boy. Ish Smith has got to be your boy. Alize Johnson is my boy. I will go down with that shit. All right. <laughs> so I don't want to see him go anywhere. But hey, guys, I'm physically wearing a Lance Stevenson jersey as we're recording. I cannot argue if Lance is at the end of you know this is what we'll get if we have to cut someone. Yeah. Well, you know it is what it is. You gotta you gotta pick your poison, Foch. Who are you gonna roll with, Alize or Lance? You can only have one. As your boy. If I can only have one, I gotta go with Born Ready himself, part three. <laughs> All right, everybody. Fachi, I'm celebrating. I'm eating some sour punch uh, bites. They're the Raging Red, Strawberry Watermelon, Cherry Raspberry. Just perfect way to celebrate this podcast. 100th episode, man. Uh, any final words before we sign off and watch the Celtics game and come back and talk later? Let's go Pacers, because when we come back, Alex, we're coming for that three seed. You can bet on it. All right, let's see if the Fachi curse is real. All right, we'll talk to you all a little bit later. This is Al Jefferson, and you are listening to Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net. Everybody, the boys are back. We have the original three of Setting the Pace Because I am joined by Alex Golden and Tyler Smith. Guys, what's going on today? Hey, it's good to be back. I just uh, driving home from the uh, Pacers-Celtics game and uh, was looking forward to this 100th episode. A lot to talk about, a lot of memories, and uh, a lot in the future as well. Absolutely. So I got to ask you, Tyler, you know, with the new rules, with, you know, talking to media, how was that like uh, as part of being part of the media? It was a little awkward, but, you know, when they first talked about that, I was wondering if we'd have, you know, any access at all. But uh, really what ended up happening tonight is they brought three or four players uh, to the podium to have kind of a press conference. And honestly, the players probably love it because uh, the ones that were not talking tonight could just leave. And then the ones who were on the podium could just answer a few questions up there and then head out. But at least we have that. Uh, it's not quite as personal, but at least we do get some quotes from the guys. Yeah, I mean, after a performance like tonight, you never know if some guys want to head out immediately or not. I mean, Tyler, you were there for tonight, obviously. What did you? What was the vibe like in the locker room after the Pacers fought back to take the lead 
but then unfortunately come up just short at the end to a very good Celtics team. Well, as, you know, as far as those three or four guys that we got to talk to uh, in the podium, they spirits are pretty high. Oladipo showed a lot of leadership in his quotes tonight, talking about how good that he felt, but how he'd rather get the win. And and he said, you know, I, I was hot, but I uh, shouldn't have taken a couple of shots, especially the one when they were up three. So he took ownership for that, which is what you love to see. Uh, we heard from Miles Turner. Miles was talking about, he, you know, he said he doesn't want to compare this team to previous teams but the one thing he does like to compare is that they over the years have shown heart and they never give up they come back and so disappointing to come up short when you do come back like that but at the same time shows people that they're not going to back down and overall it was pretty optimistic vibe yeah no there's no doubt about it it was a uh, it was a fun game to watch i loved the way the pacers came back and fought in that fourth quarter you know, for a while there, you were just thinking, man, can can they pull away from this team? You know, the the matchups and all that stuff. But from what I saw on TV, it just really looked like that bench unit was really struggling at times, even though we know that Boston does not have a strong bench. With McDermott being out and with Brogdon being out, you know, it forces Jakar Sampson and Edmund Sumner to play with that backcourt, I mean, that, that second string and that second unit. So, Tyler, I just want to get your thoughts on that second unit because it's just like as much as we want to see Jakar and Edmund develop, not having the floor spacing uh, to create really can be problematic. Yeah, it was a rough night. You know, the the second unit, this is pretty much the case for most NBA teams. It's kind of hit or miss on what you're going to get because there's nights when, you know, the second unit is picking up the starters. Obviously, most of the time that's with Doug McDermott in there. It would be a much different look. Boston didn't have Jalen Brown, but, you know, you talk of, you know, Brown or you have Braga and McDermott. So uh, two, two of the big boys uh, for the Pacers and what they want to do and what they're trying to accomplish. So, you know, it's, it's a different look with McDermott. It would be a different look, uh, you know, if they ever do sign Lance Stevenson, which we'll talk about later. I'm not sure. Playing a, a playoff series, I like how I would take the Pacers bench um, most nights, uh, I think, you know, if they were have that matchup. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to sprinkle, you know, Brogdon and Doug McDermott back on this Pacers team, and then you add, obviously, Jalen Brown, I still like the Pacers' odds in this. I feel like there's no way that you can count them out uh, completely because, I mean, this was a hard-fought game. The Pacers won the first game, and there's actually only one more game between uh, the teams in the series this year instead of four games. But what were your thoughts on the play that they drew up at the end of the game where Justin Holiday takes that three-pointer. Uh, I don't know if Holiday was trying to get fouled. I thought it was an interesting play selection. Obviously, it ended up not working out. If it works out differently, then you know we're celebrating Nate McMillan. But what was your thoughts on uh, that play? Well, unfortunately, when there was you know seven point something seconds left, uh, I you know I already had a bad feeling from you know past history with uh, drawing up plays out of the timeout. I figured there would be some fadeaway, not very good look in that situation, and that's what ended up happening. Uh, Nate McMillan did say that the goal, the option one, was to get T.J. Warren in the corner, or option two, uh, to get Oladipo off a high ball screen. So Boston came out in a zone, and they switched everything, which is good strategy. you got to have a counter for that if they do. And uh, it, uh, we saw what happened. You know, Holiday takes a highly contested three, and 
unfortunately, we've seen a little bit too much of that in late-game situations. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Late-game execution has been a struggle for the Pacers, and so has, you know, getting to the foul line, and so has, you know, getting consistently good looks at the three-point shot. I mean, the the amount of attempts that we're putting up is just like half of what the opponent is, and eventually that's going to catch up to the Pacers if they don't start, you know, taking good threes. But, I mean, I'm not saying it's a forced threes up, but, you know, getting good quality looks, floor spacing was definitely key. And, of course, you know, you mentioned no McDermott earlier. That takes away at least two or three threes that you're getting from the second unit when you have Sumner and Jakar in there. But I want to talk a little bit about Oladipo's comments. You know, he talked about how he was uh, – he pulled up a couple too, a couple times too early uh, – when the game was going back and forth real tight there at the end, and you know, McMillan said he was feeling himself, which we always hear McMillan say in those situations. But I want to hear your thoughts on Oladipo's uh, reaction and his comments to him taking shots too quick in the shot clock with the game being on the line like that. I loved it. Honestly, as I said, it shows a lot of leadership to kind of own up to it. Um, you know, you can tell – at any level, you can tell a lot about a player, how they react in a win or a loss uh, comparatively to how they play because obviously they're not in that game if he doesn't go on that run. And the first time he scored over 20 points this season, I think he ended up with 27, uh, looked like his old self. Um, but to still, you know, be humble in that moment and, and to say, I've got to be better, I will be better. Honestly, it sounded a lot like his first season with the Pacers when – after that initial five and three start, they they lost some games and he was struggling, and he sounded just like that back then. And uh, he's a guy that when he says something, I believe him because he's got a track record here. So I I personally enjoyed the press conference and his comments, and uh, I think you know tonight was a big step for him, and he'll be better next time, as he said. I I firmly believe that he will because this was definitely the best that Oladipo has looked. You know, make no mistake, since the injury, but just in general, in over a year, the best performance we've seen him play, um, the 27 points on 9 of 16 shooting, but it was the two different runs. It was the run to end the second quarter where he hits, you know, three threes in like basically a minute span, uh, and then at the end of the game. And then we're also seeing him kind of take over the game, you know, against the Mavericks with the six points uh, at the end of the game and the go-ahead shot that ended up being, you know, the game winner. Uh, so it's awesome to see him round in a form. And it sounds like it's perfectly normal from uh, for him to have missed the past week. I read an article that that was something that they said could happen later in the season. That was months ago. So do you feel like moving forward Oladipo is going to be on track, or do you think he might have to still miss a little bit of time before the playoffs? I think at this point he's just going to miss the back-to-backs. Uh, mm-hmm. McMillan confirmed that today that that's still the plan. There's only, I think, two more of those, if I remember right, one or two more actually, and uh, so he'll miss those. But even, you know, they played six games in like 12 days recently, and now they have – I don't think they play till Saturday, and then, uh, you know, they have quite a bit of time off in between some of the games coming up. So mm-hmm. a good chance for him, other other than the one back-to-back that's in the near future, uh, a chance to recoup. And, you know, as long as he's just a little sore and there's not much swelling, I think he's going to give it a go. And um, honestly, a, a game like that performance-wise, you're you're starting to think ahead to the playoffs. If that's the only depot they're getting, then it could still be a dangerous team. 
Yeah, and those back-to-back games, I believe it's Sacramento and Los Angeles, and then I believe the other back-to-back is Boston and Miami. So definitely some tough matchups there. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if anything changes in a couple weeks just because the Pacers are trying to position themselves, you know, for playoff seating, even though they lost tonight to Boston. I mean, they're still, I mean, they're within the four seed for sure against Miami. But as far as the third seed, I mean, it's not necessarily out of there are more possibilities, but it definitely does seem a little bit further away and harder to get with a loss tonight. But, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about Oladipo, um, you know, the injuries that we've talked about. He looks, like you said tonight, Tyler, looks back to himself. And I think Pacer fans have just been so excited to see that happen. And unfortunately, it's hard to really gauge what we're going to get from Victor because even though he's been playing well as of late recently, uh, there is just that concern that his knee could, you know, swell up at any time. And they said that's going to happen with this injury, that there will be swelling in that knee, there will be soreness. So how, how in the world do the Pacers really game plan for that? I mean, is it something that you don't play him in the playoffs if it starts to swell up, thinking about long term? Or if he's, you know, 85 90% good to go, do you put him out there in a playoff series? I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on that. I think in a playoff situation, he would play. I don't think it's one of those too much of a risk of re-injury, you know, that kind of injury. It's more of, um, you know, comfort level and and trying to recoup. Hopefully the amount of time that he gets off down the stretch will help that. Um, And then obviously as he ramps up the minutes, you know, and his body starts to get used to it again, I think that will help as well. Very possible the Pacers are fighting for a playoff seed to the very end of the regular season, but if something were to happen where they were to lock up the five or six seed, you know, there's a chance to give them even more rest, and it's something I hope they take advantage of. Uh, I don't think they've done a very good job of that, even dating back to the Paul George days. You know, I remember one time they had, they gave the starters one day off, and they were just completely rejuvenized after that. Um, so I, I would I would look into that. Nobody likes to use the term load management, but when it comes to Oladipo and coming back from that devastating injury, you got to be smart about it. But I think in, in playoffs, I think he's going to play through. Yeah, what has your thoughts been, you know, switching over to another member of that backcourt, what has your thoughts been lately on the play of Aaron Holiday? From a shooting standpoint, uh, he's really been looking for that jumper lately. It, it really feels like he just has not been able to be as efficient as he hopes. Uh, there's still been other things he's done well, but, I mean, it sounds like we're going to be without Brogdon for quite some time. There's no need to rush him back. And when they say week to week, I mean, that might be and maybe he returns for the playoffs or maybe he returns just before the playoffs. Do you think that this is kind of what we're going to get at Aaron Holiday? Or do you think he's going to be able to shoot himself out of this slump and actually be a big contributor come playoff time? He's been a streaky player early in mm-hmm. the career, and – and, and, you know, some fans may say that it's because his playing time has shifted, but the numbers don't really back that up. I mean, there's times when he'll sit for five or six games, and the next game is when he comes out and has a big one. So I don't know how much that factors into it. I just think he's a streaky shooter, especially as a young player. Honestly, there was a time tonight, I didn't tweet it, but I was thinking it, there was a time tonight when I would have had Oladipo take the ball up and play one, and I would have brought Justin Holiday in. Uh, play a little more defense, and, and lately he's been a better shooter. So instead of having uh, Aaron in there bring his brother in, let's get fun and ha- you know have Oladipo uh, 
you know, depending on who's in for Boston for the matchups defensively. But Oladipo ended up taking the ball up the court most of the you know that time frame anyway. So if you feel okay about the defensive matchups, I would not mind with Brogdon out uh, seeing a little bit of Vic at the one. Yeah, I completely agree with that, especially since you you know Justin's been a much better shooter from beyond the arc and. I just I just like to see the Pacers go a little bit bigger too. Sometimes you know uh, in that backcourt, that's kind of what they were envisioning. Bringing in a six foot six Malcolm Brogdon, you know Justin Holliday's I believe six foot six as well. So it would kind of make sense. And he's played point guard in his career. He's played two guard. He's played you know three and four. Apparently, uh, he can pretty much do everything but play center for the Pacers. So it's one of those things where you know why not just change it up? You already kind of got a depleted roster with all the injuries right now to your backcourt, the rumors of Lance Stevenson coming back, which we're still trying to figure out when that's going to happen, you know, those are a real thing too. So uh, just to kind of transition here um, onto the Lance Stevenson situation, what are your thoughts on a potential Lance return, and uh, do you think that he'll have a major impact on this team? Yeah, my guess would be Alizé Johnson would be the one cut. Uh, I meant to look it up to see how his contract situation compares I know T.J. Leaf is still signed for a little while, so uh, it wouldn't make much sense to just cut him and, and you know eat that money or be on the hook for it. So uh, it's kind of interesting because if they were talking to, to Lance, you know, as of a couple of days ago, then you know you would think he would have been there for uh, the game tonight. But maybe there's something holding them up, and they're not sure about the who they want to cut, or if there's again something going on overseas with Lance. So. Not sure how to play out, even if it will play out, but I don't think it would be who I would think. But we did get a few uh, Twitter questions here. So, Tyler, I'll start with you first. Here's the first question. Fach, you can answer that after Tyler does. But um, Joseph at JoeHAZ12 wants to know, what kind of contract do you think we'll have to offer Justin Holiday for him to stay in Indy next year? That's a good question. I, I do think when I read that tonight, um, I was kind of thinking that because of the family situation with his brother, you know, it may depend a little bit on whether or not Aaron is here. Now, I know some fans would say, why would Aaron not be here? But you just never know. I mean, Aaron Holiday's come up in trade talks before. Um, could be even a situation where, you know, maybe he would want out for more playing time or something. But I would say more than likely Aaron will be here. And then I think there's a chance that Justin – because of that and because he's comfortable and because he's played well here, that he would just really want to stay and he would want to try to get a little job security. So if the Pacers would go to a multi-year deal for him, um, I think he would possibly be one of those guys that would, you know, even like not even test free agent market as much because of the family ties and because of, you know, his success here. It could be wrong. A lot of times, a lot of athletes that you think are going to do that, they still end up going where the most money is. Pacers could be outbid for his services because he's shooting about you know a million percent from three this year. So <laughs> that's my gut feel that if the Pacers would go to two or three years at a you know reasonable amount, um, I think he would sign and, and be a good good signing for the offseason. Yeah, my my guess is a multi year deal looking for a home. If you look at Justin Holiday's career, he has been in a new spot just about every year of his career. So I feel like at this point. He's looking for a home. If you can give him a two- or a three-year deal, something I think you know, modest, maybe like a two-year $12 million deal or like a three-year 15, I, I think he'd sign. The fact that you get to play with your brother and Aaron Holiday, not Justin, I mean, not Drew, 
Uh, I think that's a bonus. So I feel like that could get the deal done. Two years, $12 million, I could see it. Yeah, we had a similar question to this on our Monday show with Kent Sterling. And Kent mentioned two years, $15 million, And I kind of agree with that because I do think – you know, I'm not sure what the mid-level exception is exactly. I, I think it's a is it around nine or ten million? Is that close to correct, Tyler? I think so. Yeah, so I I figured. I mean, if he takes up about seven seven million dollars of that, I mean, what else are you going to really bring in here via free agency? You're more than likely going to try to make some type of move, maybe trade the expiring contract of TJ Leaf, and then use a little bit of that mid-level exception. I don't know if that's even doable to bring in a little bit more of a a larger salary as far as like compared to what Leaf makes. So you could add a little bit extra to it, but it's a, it's an interesting deal. I think that you have to keep Justin holiday if you want to succeed next year and trying to replace him. Who's been, you know, your probably your best player off the bench consistently all season long, most productive, you know, you can't just lose your sixth man and, and just try to replace that with your mid-level exception. But uh, it's very interesting scenario to watch this offseason and hopefully he does uh, go ahead honestly uh over the last couple years and you know whether you want to give Pritchard or McMillan or both of them credit for this how many guys that have come here where the fans have been like why did we sign that guy and then all of a sudden he does really well yeah I mean it's it's honestly like basically every player you know maybe not Tyreek Evans as far as what fans expectations of him were you know over the last three years like all these moves even Bogdanovich when he was signed and um, you know, Collison and, you know, so many of these guys and, you know, Justin Hall is another one. It was like, well, I mean, I guess it's cool that he's got a brother here, but they didn't, they weren't really excited for him. And now it's like, yeah, we need multi-year deal for him. Well, I was definitely excited for him. You can ask Fachi about that one. I can back that up. Alex had a little bit of a man crush on Justin Holiday, And in the end, hey, I don't blame him because <laughs> I like that three ball that I'm seeing over there. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, it's it's going to be fun to watch that all play out this summer. But for now, I think that we can just enjoy holiday for the rest of the year. So let's move on. Uh, Aaron Clayton wants to know, would the return of Lance Stevenson be more beneficial than the current progression energy and impact that Jakar Sampson is having now? Uh, Tyler, what are your thoughts on that question? I mean, I do. we do see some similarities between them, and, and that was even – in his first stint, you know, way back in, I think, uh, October, um, seeing a, a couple similarities there. But you just can't measure, you can't quantify the, the impact that Lance can have. I mean, even when, if his shot's not falling, which for some reason at Banker's Life, it falls more than, you know, everywhere else. Um, but just the energy, the passion. You know, his second time that he came back and, you know, it was a, a crazy situation there. This one feels kind of similar. Like, is it really going to happen, and does he fit? And at that point, he proved that he could fit. I think he can do it again. So I don't know how much it would impact uh, Samson's playing time, but, hey, you can, you know, let's get weird a couple times have them both in and, <laughs> you know, just have an insane Banker's Life comeback in that moment. Man, I think the crowd reaction that Jakar gets is more of like everybody saying like, ah, oh, you know, hey, love Jakar. It's always we've seen him play more lately. But when Lance checked now, would I equate it to quote something like Michael Jordan coming back? Like Lance tried to do? No, I wouldn't. But hey, that's how he views his returns to Indiana, and I'm gonna let him have that moment. 
Yeah, and honestly, like, we're still not sure what the status of Doug McDermott is, what Malcolm Brogdon is. So there's still going to be an opportunity for Lance to play with the second unit and Jakarta play with the second unit. I, I mean, we'll see who Lance replaces, but there's a possibility he could take Edmund Sumner's minutes too. So we're not really sure where exactly the Pacers are envisioning Lance being, but I think the reason that the Pacers are talking to him in the first place is at this point in the season – he knows the playbook, and that's something that we haven't really discussed, but he is very familiar with the Pacers organization, with the coaching staff, and you know he's he knows enough players on this team, the core of this team, that he could just fit in, and, and it wouldn't be a hard transition as far as bringing in somebody else. So moving on, our last question comes from Billy Osborne. Uh, he wants to know, will Oladipo bring Indiana a championship, and will he stay a lifelong Pacer? I ask because he always says he wants to bring Indiana a championship. Do you think he will stay until the job is done or go on to another organization after his contract? Loaded question there. Something that we don't really want to talk about, but Tyler, that's a pretty important question. Yeah, I mean, I I would be completely and utterly shocked if his next contract is not with the Pacers. Uh, He loves it here. This is a completely different type of dude than what Paul George was. Um, I mean, you've seen some crazy things in the NBA, so you can't say for certain. There's a lot of buzz out of, you know, Miami Heat fans saying, well, he, you know, lives here in the offseason. He loves it. He's going to come here. I would just be completely shocked. So, you know, I don't know. I think he's got a year left on his deal. I'm not sure what exactly the – I mean, it's going to be a big number. I know that. But I think when you combine the kind of player he is – um, the passion he brings, the hard work, the, you know, being a fan favorite, you know, I think he's he's going to earn every penny of this next contract. Will he bring a championship? I, I don't know. It's tough to do in the small market. It's never happened in Indiana. Uh, I think I would, I would um, assuming he can stay healthy, I would give him just as much a chance as, as maybe any over the years because of, you know, just his drive and, how the Pacers, you know, they've been close to have been maybe one player away here and there certain years. So don't know if I'll bring it home, but I think he'll be here to try. I don't know if I could properly answer the championship part without knowing what this roster looks like, because if you're going to say this current roster, no, I don't think this is a championship roster. And I think that he would need more help. Uh, extra help would have to be brought in. Do I think that he'll remain with the Pacers moving forward? Yes, I do. I think they've handled his rehab and everything perfectly to set him up for success, not rush him back, let him be a star, like doing shows like The Masked Singer and whatever he can do to be a star in a small market. And they have surrounded him with talent, but not enough talent to win a championship yet. Yeah, it's a loaded question. Personally, I'm not sure what to expect with Vic's contract going forward. You know, I think that all of us would love to see him back, and I think that it makes sense. But in today's NBA, can you really count on anybody to stay faithful to the franchise that they're currently with? It's tough. I mean, there's a a handful of guys like Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, that you really just think are going to be with their team for their life. But, I mean, you know, you would hope that Oladipo would would stay a long-term pacer since he got here, but... You just never really know, but my gut would say it's more leaning towards he stays than he goes. As far as a championship, yeah, I agree with these guys here. Uh, 
Victor Oladipo, I don't know if he can be the best player on a championship team. That's not a knock on Vic. I just don't think that if you're going to win a championship, Victor Oladipo can be your best player. I think maybe as the number two guy, he could he could help a team get to the championship. You know, but I don't think currently constructed with this roster or with the moves going forward, unless they get a guy that can be the number one. I don't necessarily think the Pacers will win a championship, but that doesn't mean that they can't have great success. And like you mentioned, Tyler, it's a tough it's a tough thing to do, number one, to win a championship, but let alone on a small market with a team that never tanks and will never be in the top three to, you know, draft the player. Anyway, guys, it's been a fun episode here. It's been kind of crazy. The technical difficulties, thanks to Skype, have made this episode an interesting one. Of course, on our 100th episode, it's going to give us difficulties, but we thank you for hanging there with us and uh, just riding it out. Hopefully, we can fix these edits in here. Uh, That'll be up to me, but if it's a little choppy, I apologize. But as far as uh, we go, we'll talk to you all next time. It'll it'll be a reoccurring thing. You can follow Fachi on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. Tyler Smith is at Tyler Smith underscore I-S-L, and I'm at Alex Gold NBA. And we appreciate you guys so much for all of your contributions to our podcast. And I'm going to step out of the way and let Fachi uh, give his final words. Hey, guys, for the 100th episode, you know, for those that have been here from day one, picked up in the middle, or maybe, you know, this is even the first episode you're listening to, we thank you. So it couldn't do without you. The listeners truly do make the show. And at the end of the day, my sign-off line, let's go Pacers. Tyler, final words. It's been great, boys. Looking forward to many more. Keep up the good work when I'm not there and hope to join you quite a bit here as we uh, enter the final stretch. Absolutely. So until next time, everybody, peace out, Pacer Nation. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.